0: Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another adventure in podcasting. This is Words, Images, and Worlds, and I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by author Emily Witten. Uh, I believe author is part of what you do, but I also think there there might be some social media work that you do. Um, I, somewhere I saw the word influencer um, right. attached to your name, I think, or something like that. It might have been your Amazon bio, maybe.
1: Well, I do have a friend who once called me a pop culture maven. So maybe that's what you're thinking of. Um, I I, I threw it it into my bio because if someone else says it about you, why not? Um, I do a lot of things in both the genre entertainment industry and generally. Uh, In my regular life, I'm an attorney, actually. So that that is what I do for my nine to five. And um, then in my past, I have uh, worked on and run and founded... Genre, literary, or comics-related conventions. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, the the North American Discworld Convention for Sir Terry Pratchett, a fantasy satirist, uh, is a, a convention I co-founded, and then I've worked on comic cons like awesome con and um literary conventions like um balticon and so i i've worked in that genre of things uh i'm also often uh, a guest on the radio show fantastic forum which is local mm-hmm. to the arlington virginia area uh, mm-hmm. with ulysses campbell as the host and um i of course go to conventions now for my books but for about seven years i was a an entertainment journalist for comic mix um so i wrote about everything to do with comics and creators and and interviewed a number of uh great people and and gave my opinions on things and all that kind of stuff. Um so these days I mostly uh in the entertainment or genre area uh besides enjoying it go to comic cons for uh to to uh, meet fans, promote my books, sell my books, um and also moderate or be a guest on panels. Um and the, the book series that I go to promote is called mm-hmm. The Underfoot. Mm-hmm. It is co-created it. with, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's co-created mm-hmm. with Ben Fisher, my co-writer, and our artist is Michelle Wen. Our letterer is Tom Zoller, and it's currently out with um, Lion Forge Oni Publishing Group. It originally came out with Lion Forge, and then it was uh, merged, and so now it's Lion Forge Oni. We've got two books out, both of them nominated for a Ringo Award for Best Kids Comic or Graphic Novel, and the first one was also nominated for a Black Eyed Susan Book Award by the Maryland Library Association. Mm-hmm. So that's what I go out to the conventions with these days.
0: And they've also been up for Excellence in Graphic Literature Awards with Pop Culture Classroom, I believe. At least the first one has. Is that
1: right? Uh, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I maybe think so. we should check that. I, if if yeah. if so, that's great. I I actually, you know, we learn about it when people tell us. So um, that that would be cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll say maybe for now because I don't know. But if you think so, we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> I,
0: I served on a juror for that a couple of years, and I think that's how I found my way across okay. Underfoot. Um, okay. So I could be wrong. My memory's not perfect. We we know this from eyewitness accounts. Since you're an attorney, I'll mention that. But um. <laughs> You're, you're welcome to object, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I think that was the case. I think that's how I found out about Underfoot Excellent. initially. So I'm really curious about this sort of drawing that you have to comics and graphic novels, but then you also lead this life as an attorney, which I, I find the, the balance of the two fascinating. So how, how does that work for you and what drew you to comics and pop culture?
1: Well, it's interesting because when I was growing up, I didn't really know what I was reading and or watching was, you know, pop culture, comics, genre entertainment related. Um, It it was just there. It was something I enjoyed. So um, when I was very small, you know, I'd watch cartoons like Thundercats or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'd be like, oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad would listen to the radio shows for The Green Hornet and The Lone Ranger, Mm -hmm. um, and we uh, I have an early memory of watching the the Superman movie with him, the original Superman movie with him. And then as I um, continued on in my childhood, I was very into the X-Men animated series and then the Batman animated series. So mm-hmm. both Marvel and DC. Um, mm-hmm. But I really didn't read comics that much as a child simply because I didn't have any and I didn't know where they were available. Um, my oldest sister had a few uh, Archie Digests or Archie and Jughead. And then we had she had some individual issues of like Richie Rich with Lottie Lot, I think it was, and um and uh maybe one or two other like individual comics, you know. Um, but then also like I, I really like Shira when that was, you know, when that was uh, big the first time around. And it, that mm-hmm. came with little mini booklet comics that you could read that went with it, which is how I learned that there was actually a, a male character I didn't even know at first because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't show up that much at first. And then I was like, oh, there's like one 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 man. Um, but yeah, so, and, you know, and I would watch other cartoons that were related to things that are now comics, but I don't know if they were. Like at the time, like, like uh, My Little Pony is mm-hmm. now a comic. Uh, but I believe it started as a show. So there's like kind of an intertwining. But I didn't really read comics until I was in law school and was introduced to Deadpool.
0: And oh, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, so so I, I read one issue of Deadpool. It was issue number 14. He spends most of the issue as a slightly frozen uh, half corpse in a snowdrift. And all of his peripheral characters talk about him and it was mm-hmm. so fascinating just the the what they said about him psychologically that i was like oh i have to read more of this so i of course doing everything by small measures, went and bought the entire original run on eBay for <laughs> about $180, which now is probably worth a little more.
0: <laughs> I would say that, so. <laughs>
1: given that most of it's been signed by people like Joe Kelly and Fabian Nicieza and, you know, Ed McGinnis and Nathan Massengill and, you know, lots of lots of the creators, Jimmy Palmiotti and uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Priest. So, so, and Gail Simone. Um, so, so I, I, I've, Dove into the Deadpool world. Um, but before that, I had always grown up reading sci-fi and fantasy and genre fiction, like mm-hmm. reading mm-hmm. prose. And I, I, I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew it was on the shelf. My two older sisters, um, had a lot of books. My mother is an English teacher, retired now, who taught. Um, advanced placement but also British literature so I got really into King Arthur and then that of course included the Chronicles of Prydain based on the Mabinogai on the Welsh legend that also is connected to the King Arthur legend so I have like 20 mm-hmm. something books on King Arthur which I'm sure isn't impressive to other you know King Arthur scholars but for my childhood it was pretty good um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then I in college I got into Terry Pratchett because there were a few books just a few about five Uh, paperbacks of his in the lending library part of the Stacks at Indiana University Bloomington. The Stacks being this giant library with tons and tons of really intellectual books, but also this like small section on the first floor as you walked in where you could just browse for more like fun stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't browse it that often because I already had a lot of books, but I did go one day and find Soul Music um, by Terry Pratchett, And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And then I went back and I kept reading them. And by law school, I had had gotten up to where he was at that point writing, which was Thud. And that's when I met him and started organizing the convention. So it all kind of intertwined. Uh, I started writing a blog called Ask Deadpool, where I would make up questions as Deadpool or, or sorry, people would send me questions and I would answer them. I would make up answers as Deadpool um unofficial Marvel was aware of it but unofficial <laughs> but I had a good time with that and then that's how I ended up writing for comic mix um clearly I was uh, uh into, really into at least some comics and mm-hmm, uh and mm-hmm. you know and then I learned about a lot more about comics by talking to creators and reading you know what if you go to like uh the Harvey's in the past now the Ringo Awards at Baltimore Comic-Con you get a bag of books as part of your awards you know goodie bag it's your it's your goodie bag and so you know you get uh new things you might not have heard of but that are you know up for an award probably or very well respected and then uh i would go to like the um book expo and so i gathered around me lots of books and comic books that Mm -hmm. i might not already have encountered so you know it's kind of a a building into things but i i love all genres of creation and i look at comics as Um, And I love all medium, mediums, media of creation. I look at comics as a media that's particularly fun for telling stories in certain ways.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned meeting Terry Pratchett, which uh, that's impressive. Jealous. Um, (laughs) Other folks along the way that you've met that have been especially kind in the industry?
1: Oh, so many. Uh, First of all, Mm -hmm. two weeks after I met Terry, I met Neil Gaiman. So, oh, wow. Um, wow! Now and, I'm really and, jealous. Yeah. And we eventually became <laughs> friends because we just kept seeing each other. And I guess he couldn't get rid of me. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but so both of them were incredibly wonderful people. And Neil still is an incredibly wonderful person. Sadly, we yeah. lost Terry in t- 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and, you know, and, and they were both they are both and were both very inspirational, generally to people looking to create. And of course, spending time with them was amazing. Um, is amazing was amazing depending and uh, you know also like really everybody in the industry um, Nathan Massingill suggested the first person to suggest I go to a comic-con he's one of the uh, he's an anchor who worked on Deadpool back in the 90s and many other things but that's how I knew him and uh, so he took me along to a comic-con and suggested that I go and see what art I liked in Artist Alley and asked them if they'd do little sketch cards for me because they would often do those for no money to a little money. And uh, currently I have a number of those little sketch cards that were brilliant uh, hanging in my little gallery that you can't see here. uh, But I have like a gallery wall of all comics art. Um, So that was a great intro. Uh, During that, I met people like the sadly now deceased Jeremy Dale. Uh, I met John K. Snyder, the third, who I'm still very good friends with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I met I met so many people through that. And then really um, part of it early on when I was uh, even before I was writing for Comic Mix, when I went to my first New York Comic Con, I tracked down Riley Brown uh, and probably startled him greatly because (laughs) I looked for him all day. They'd moved his table or something. So like nobody knew where he was. I looked for him all day. I only had a few minutes until I had to catch a train back to throw my sister's baby shower the next morning on a Sunday. And so I was only there for one day. I had heavy bags of books. I'm looking all over. I finally find him and I walk up to him, two bags of books in my hand. I'm like, Riley Brown, you were the hardest person in comics to find. And <laughs> But we're friends now because he's a nice guy. So he, he, awesome. he overlooked the fact that I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> not totally crazy. So... Um, You know, and through him I met, uh, maybe through him, other people I met like Dean Haspiel, amazing creator for many years. Mm -hmm. It just, the Mm -hmm. list goes on. I just went to Baltimore Comic Con and I just posted my photos of just pictures I had remembered to take with some of the amazing creators I know and love who are now, I'm privileged to call my friends, and I had tagged like over 40 people and it was like literally it was the magic number I had tagged like 42 people and that was only the ones I remember to take pictures with and that's all like creators or people who have run or are running conventions or people who are involved in the industry so uh there are toxic elements to our industry I don't want to skate over that but the, Mm -hmm. the the whole experience for me overall has been extremely welcoming um there are also some people in the entertainment industry on like the actor side who I'm friends with now who are wonderful and you know, I, I've had so many good experiences.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Just dabbling into that world, uh, on this podcast has been really, it's been really nice to meet people because most people do seem to be really nice and willing to talk with you and, and take some time to, to share ideas and talk about the world of comics and literature. So, uh, wonderful i always like to hear about the good stories and you also have underfoot we've mentioned and so i'm curious about how that collaboration came came to be and what it's been like to work on that series
1: yeah well i covered a little bit of it by accident just going through backstory um it was a very winding road because uh i discovered the deadpool comics then i was doing the terry Pratchett convention then through that i met esther friesner another wonderful friend who uh Writes fiction in the genre, uh, both short stories and long, uh, long form fiction in uh, fantasy, sci-fi, and she knew the editors of Comic Mix, Mike Gold and Glenn Howman, and she Mm -hmm, knew mm -hmm. that I wrote the Deadpool blog, all of this connects, you see what I mean, and, Mm -hmm. um, and she said, oh, you guys should meet because your stuff is funny, they would like it, they did like it, that's how I ended up writing for them. And then uh, another friend of mine, Kevin Stokes, who's a great artist, comics artist, he said, hey, I did the art for this miniseries, the three-issue miniseries. Would you like to review it for Comic Mix? And I said, sure, because I like his art. And it was by Ben Fisher, who is my co-creator of The Underfoot. (laughs) But we, at that point, I had not read any of his work. Uh, It turns out we had met for two seconds once at a convention, and there was a picture of us right next to each other, but neither of us remembered it until I saw his face later. And I said, is that you? We met like two years ago. (laughs) Um, The the comics world is interesting like that. But uh, I reviewed, it was called Splitsville, the miniseries, and it's very Mm -hmm, clever. mm -hmm. Um, I reviewed it favorably because I thought it was great, um, both the art and the actual story itself and the the humor and everything. And the concept was that there in this world uh, is one superhero and one supervillain, and they're the same person, but they don't know it, but their sidekicks do, and they're profiting off of it. (laughs) it was called splitsville because it's split personality and i thought that was so much fun i i i I would love for him to do more except we need to do more underfoot first ben um yes i'm kidding i'm kidding uh but it, it was a really fun little series and i loved it and so i reviewed it and i tweeted and i tagged him um when the article when the review came out and he uh like, you know, normal, normal people would be like, oh, thank you and move on with their lives. Instead, he found through my Twitter bio, the fact that I had a secondary account as my hamster. And uh, <laughs> at the time, her, her name, sadly, now deceased, because they don't live forever. But her uh, screen name was Biddy Miss Izzy, because she was a tiny little, tiny little girl. And uh, he started tweeting back to her as a hamster.
0: <laughs> that's
1: that's how we started talking. Um, and uh, and then eventually, you know, we were like, oh, this is really fun. This could be like a, a book. And then we kept talking. And seven years later, uh, pitched a series to uh, a number of publishers, including Lionforge. And that's how it came to be.
0: Love it. Love I it. was
1: not setting out to write a comic. In fact, I still have a half finished novel that I'll get back to at some point uh, that's about World War II. So we'll, oh, nice. we'll get there. We'll get there at some point. <laughs> Maybe. Looking
0: forward to that. Yeah. I, I love when people create across forms prose, comics, picture books, whatever it happens to be. And you seem to be somebody who likes to write from um, different perspectives, tweeting as a hamster, uh, answering letters as Deadpool. I, I love the range there. <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's really good practice. If you are, Mm -hmm. if you are seeking to be a writer, I think it's great practice to write in different voices to gain your own voice as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. also because writing in different voices can, can be can be its own thing. You know, I did the Deadpool blog for at least two years before what happened was Twitter became a big thing. And then I had the biggest Deadpool Twitter for a while, it was like 3000 followers or something. And then the moment Marvel actually made one, that was the end of that. I was like, okay, I'm done now, I'm good. (laughs) We don't need to compete with Marvel. Um, But you know, before that, Deadpool hadn't been as big for a while. He was big in the nineties, then he went away. I got into him in like 2008-ish and started doing the blog 2009, something, I forget exactly. Um, But yeah, so like uh, that was a great practice in writing. And, And, you know, obviously, I'm not going to claim that I wrote in exact Deadpool voice. I had fun with it. I made up Mm. entire scenarios where they all worked for Agency X and uh, Outlaw had a relationship with Thor, but we never said his name. He was just the whiny guy (laughs) with the hair, the big muscle dude, you know, like Uh and he was always kind of chasing after her and like, why aren't you nicer to me? Um, (laughs) You know, so so I made up stuff that wasn't obviously canon and and not really in the voice, but I had a lot of fun playing with it. And Mm. um, while I don't have a lot of, formal background in fiction writing. I have a ton of background in writing. I have a journalism degree. I have a law degree, among other things. And I wrote poetry from a young age and uh, actually was uh, published in a a few places with my poetry. Won a couple of contests and things and short fiction. Um, But I don't have a ton of formal education in simply creative writing or writing comics. But I did take one class in college. And uh, part of one of the assignments was to write a short story in the voice of another, of like a famous short story writer. So that was a really interesting uh, practice for me to do. And um I'm trying to remember now who it was that I wrote. Uh, I'm sure I could find it if I looked hard enough. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's great to write in these different voices and that it helps develop your skills and it mm-hmm. helps develop your own voice or your own voices. Um, it was great training for me to write As a journalist, as an attorney, as a, you know, a comics character, as a poet, like you learn different things. Like at some point there may be a song that shows up in the underfoot and certainly poetry is not that far from song lyrics. So I Mm -hmm. feel like I can do it whether I, you know, whether we get to it and or Ben, obviously we work together on all these things and he's got some ideas because he has a band. He has a band, so he has written songs. So the two of us together are a great team because he has also great experiences and he's written other comics like The Great Divide for Dynamite and along with Splitsville, which I had reviewed and some other um, Smuggling Spirits and Hex and Hammers or his other ones prior to The Underfoot. And then some Grumpy Cat, which is how he met Michelle Mm. and suggested her as our artist. Um, But yeah, so the two of us both have like experience in song and or poetry writing. All of that goes into... Both the actual skill and also your confidence in knowing, hey, I can I can do this. You know, I can I can write a song maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) or at least the lyrics to one. I'm not I'm not really a composer, but the lyrics maybe Ben will compose the song.
0: And and you also work with Tom Zoller, who has his own sort of thing in comics, too, and multiple titles and pieces as well. A very talented person as well.
1: Yes, Tom is uh, more traditionally trained in, in comics in the sense that he went to the Cuber School, and so <laughs> he he got a full education in all the various things. So he can write and draw and letter and et cetera, et cetera, put a whole book together. So uh, it's very it, it has been very valuable working with him to date on the lettering for the book. And uh, I will I will say I. I was not knowledgeable about lettering um, to the extent that you know, like I wasn't totally sure of the actual digital process of some of it, and Mm -hmm. also like I needed to ask more questions than an experienced comics creator might about how far you want to go in differentiating this person's speech from this. Do we ever want to have like multiple? At one point, we we considered multiple speech uh, um, uh, font formats, text formats for the different um categories of animals so in ours the the fur versus the scales versus the feathers the different um i guess they would be kind of the geni the you know the genuses of the of the different species and everything of our animals so mm-hmm. we had you know we have like the the hamsters and the badgers and things like that and then we have like the you know the um the lizards and the snakes and the turtles but some of them actually cross over cuz it's not like just you know it's not like one is always this one's always that and we decided that that would be too much to do and it would be too confusing but it's interesting if you look like at something like sandman and you look at the the fonts and the you know the the word balloons and everything it really does add to it if it works with your story but mm-hmm. those are like consistent characters that always have you know that kind of character to them because they're endless there are the endless mm-hmm. um so yeah, it's, it's been very valuable working with him. He's got he's got his own creator-owned comics and also has worked on licensed comics. And so he's a powerhouse in his own right and then came to letter our little hamster book <laughs> 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 or books.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, there are two now. And um,
1: yes. I, will, also... I will reach oh, them yeah. out here because I've got what well, you can see a bookmark in one because these are my work copies. So these are the ones I use to refer back to what we've written along with the digital copies, of course. Um, but this is the the first book in the series, The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep, and this is the second, The Underfoot into the Sun. Both covers by our wonderful artist Michelle Wen, who does not only the uh, art but also the colors.
0: And so it's marketed as sort of a all ages, middle grades, enjoyable for all is is what I would say. Um, so curious about. I think the official question on the list was something like, how, "What do you want?" readers to take from it but um you're welcome to approach that however you would like.
1: Yeah, so I think most of us in the creating business know that the marketing um aspects of it are sort of created by, you know, publicists and everything mm-hmm. like that. They mm-hmm. they fi- they figure out where your work's going to fit. So we uh we started uh building this with no kind of uh idea where where it might end up in in terms of that but by the time we pitched it obviously they they thought okay we're gonna slot it into this area so it's a middle grade graphic novel which is marketed to the eight to twelves I like to say like a a, a strong reader seven to a hundred plus you know mm-hmm, any, anybody mm-hmm. anybody who's about seven or eight and can and can really get to grips with the story all the way up to until you go into the next world wherever that may be um and uh one thing that really contributes to that for us is that there are four chapters in the book but between each chapter you get a little bit of science and history and mm-hmm. uh and and this is actually all fact this is not fiction this is the fact that goes into the fiction and so if you're a younger reader you might read that, but there's a lot of high scientific terms in that. Like there are uh-huh. like we we talk about the mushrooms in the book, but we tell we tell by their like scientific name as well as their uh, colloquial name and all of that stuff goes into what makes the book. So if you're an adult reader or an older you know, child reader, maybe you're a teen or something and you're learning, maybe you're in biology class, you know, maybe you're starting you're in high school, you're in biology class, you might understand more the the in between um, inserts into the book, which are all within story, you know, it's like some of the long long gone humans notes and communications that you get. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're a younger reader, you might not fully understand that, but you don't need to, to read the story. So one thing that I like about that and Ben likes about that is that it's kind of adjustable to your reading level. It's like, I grew up watching like Animaniacs. If you're a child, you get some jokes. If you're an adult, you get other jokes and references. And um, our book is sort of the same. If you're a child, you can certainly follow the whole story through. But if you're an older child or an adult, you might also be like, oh, that was a real thing. Oh, that's interesting. Or what's the science behind how solar panels are being made thinner all the time? You know, That comes up in our second book. and we're always looking for stuff like that and pulling it out to put into the story because it's so interesting uh because of that and and lots of science fiction writers have this happen we have predicted a flood uh a flood in dc we predicted covid sorry guys Mm -hmm. uh we Mm -hmm. predicted um a volcanic eruption not the one that we had said was going to happen but still a volcanic eruption and a version of murder hornets so
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, I have had people say Very to me, prescient. why don't Why
1: don't you write into the next one that we all win the lottery? And I'm like, I will win the lottery in that book. That's what I will write in. Uh, in, in the backstory of a human who now appears in the book as well as writing it, I will be like, and she won the lottery. And, then I will. Um, and, and Ben and Michelle will all win the lottery. Uh, just Love split it amongst the whole team. But um, in terms of what I would like readers to take away from it, some of it is that educational thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really never liked... Preachy education when I was a kid and I was reading my fun fun literature like sure if it's a textbook that's what you're there for but if you're there to have fun the best way to learn is when your story is not interrupted by having to like stare at something for so long and understand it if you can get it from context etc that's a really great way to learn um, so what we and and Ben feels the same way so that what we write is you know hopefully fun but still somewhat educational, but educational because we think it's fun. The education Mm -hmm. we're putting in there is Mm -hmm. stuff that we think is super cool. So um, so I hope that readers do learn from it, both kids and adults. And uh, I wanted to remember to mention that there are two free resources that go with the first book in the series that are useful in that sense. There's actually a teacher and parent guide um, that was done by a PhD in education that goes through the standards and has discussion questions about a lot of the stuff that we put in there that you wouldn't expect necessarily in a hamster book. Um, we talk about essentially things that in regular life could be like classism and racism and things like that, you know, and and they come out differently and like difference, differences in religion, and mm-hmm, different things. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't expect to find that maybe in, in an animal book, but it's all there. And so there are some discussion questions where, you know, you can go through it with a child or something. Um, and there's also an activity book that we um, put together during COVID, and that has uh, a Write Your Own Adventure that Ben did, a science project that I wrote up that goes with the first book, and a bunch of um, pages that Michelle put together that she took her art and made it things like an activity, a coloring thing, a find a find object thing, you know, found object thing. Um, so those are both available for free on my website if you just go click on the first book and it'll say like free downloadable PDF. So those are some great resources that teachers and parents might be, need to be aware of if they want to like kind of engage more with a kid on it. But really, I think that I hope uh, readers come away with enjoyment, uh, maybe some learning, wanting to read the next one, because we're working on it. Um, And, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully some impact. We have had parents say that, this or that part of it like meant a lot to their child uh Mm -hmm. one one parent wrote and said that their i believe it was her eight-year-old son uh read about one of the characters uh because we do have serious things like character death and so they uh she was thankful for it because it it allowed her to launch a conversation with him about death Mm -hmm. i mean we didn't intend that but we did not intend that you know like it's it's good that it has helped a parent to have a serious discussion with their child um we've also had people tell us that death broke them we're sorry um <laughs> but i mean that's part of writing we want people to be involved we want them to feel we want them to have the you know the impact of the story really means something to them mm-hmm. and to in, to invest in our characters cuz we're invested in them um and there's a lot of real issues that we put into what our characters go through i do think that I love anthropomorphic characters, because if you are writing a character who is one removed from a human, you know, they're not an actual human, you can sometimes talk about big issues in a way that if it was a human experience, the person might feel directly like attacked or threatened or worried by. But if mm-hmm. it's about an animal, instead, they may be able to more easily empathize with the situation. And, you know, maybe, hopefully that changes someone's thinking if they're going in a direction that is not as kind to others or doesn't accept you know the differences we have and then they look at how that might affect these animal characters and they're invested in them I mean there's a whole lot of things that people take out of books we can only do what we what we can we we enjoy writing them we put in the stuff we love we put in our feelings we put in you know a lot of a lot of our thoughts on the world and we put in questions in the first uh after the first book came out There was one review, you know, they say, don't read your reviews, but of course, you look at at least a few of them, including the bad ones. Sorry Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't love our series, but there were lots of positive ones. Um, But one that was positive, but also had a little uh, a little negative, not negative, but like, you know, constructive feedback. They Mm -hmm. said, I really wish that they had talked more about the um, the subject of animal testing, because, you know, they really are looking at this in the first book from the perspective where the hamsters look at their special abilities that they got from animal testing as a gift. They, they revere the humans. They, they call them the giants that were and they want them to come back. They think maybe they will someday and they think of their their uh, you know special abilities as, as a, a positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read that review and I was like, that's fine because in book two, uh, you know sometimes you have to, if you're developing a whole series, you got to wait. Uh, in book two, we approach what the scales think of the whole thing and they are not happy because mm-hmm. while the hamsters cool. got the special abilities, the scales got irradiated. So, wow. and it was all part of animal testing, and it all builds into, in fact, in the, in the second book, there's actually, this is my nerdy, nerdy government lawyerness coming out, there's an actual organization chart that tells you mm-hmm. where in the organization the scales versus the hamsters were, and you can see that they're two different branches of the, of the experimental organization so they they weren't treated the same so we so we do yeah. actually bring up some really serious issues but we don't always tell people how to feel about ones like that mm-hmm. people should think about it themselves maybe there are conflicting feelings you know maybe maybe sometimes it is helpful and maybe sometimes it's terrible or maybe you feel just one way but it's good to have different perspectives it's not always you know they say that it's not always the writer who's the you know the character is not the writer and all of that we're not always writing what we actually believe but we mm-hmm. do want people to question
0: Absolutely. absolutely. And you mentioned the educators' guide. So my last question that's on the list is about those places where people can connect. It's about uh, what might be next in the creative journey, upcoming events, things things of that nature.
1: Yeah, so um we are working on the Underfoot three. We do not have a release date at this time, but we have lots of great ideas. And uh you know, sometimes when you get to that third plus book, there's so much going on that you have to tie together. We've all heard of Chekhov's gun you know if there's the gun on the wall it has to go off by the third act because it you know it can't just be there for no reason so um so we're working on making all of our Chekhov's guns go off in the right way uh and and uh you know in a way that potentially even leaves it open for more stories mm-hmm. so we are working on that uh I also have a couple of other projects I'm poking out in the background but nothing until nothing nothing goes anywhere until underfoot three is done gosh darn it <laughs> um but uh, as for me, I will be at New York Comic-Con, which is the October 12th to 15th weekend this year. I believe that's correct. And uh, I'll be in Artist Alley at K34. If I'm wrong, just look it up. But I believe I'm in K34, uh, which is basically like if you go in the front and go all the way back and all the way, not all the way back, but you know, you'll find me, um, and uh, I'll be there all weekends with uh, some very limited book ones. The book one is actually sold out. So we need to get on a reprint, hopefully, uh, at mm-hmm, some point mm-hmm. soon. We don't We don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but I have a whole 21 copies. So if people mm-hmm. want that underfoot one, come early, because that's all I got. I got plenty of underfoot two, and it is also available digitally. So if, if we run out, you, know, you can get it digitally. You can get it at libraries. I'm a big supporter of libraries, and I'm mm-hmm. happy for them to have our books. Um, so, you know, there are different places to get them, but it's actually quite hard to find book one, the paper copy online right now. And, uh, I've actually had to buy back some, some copies. So I have a few library copies for sale, actually, (laughs) along with the new ones I was able to locate. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I also sell, um, hamster ears. So like, you know, hamster ears that uh, people love and, um, and I love and I wear them at the cons. And I have some other fun things. But it's, you know, the books and some merchandise that goes along with them. And I'll be there all weekends, And I would love to see people there. Um, and you can also find me on social media and my website. It's all the same. It's just the Emily es is in Suzanne uh, either you know at the Emily esSE or the Emily or any of those iterations. Uh, I'm the same. I've tried to make it consistent everywhere. I can I could talk forever about stuff, but I'm very happy to have been here and please check out the underfoot. Please also check out the other work of Ben and Michelle and Tom, our wonderful team. Uh, and please come see me at New York.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Emily.
1: Thank you.